Welcome to Life Point with your host, Pastor Tom Doherty. Hey folks, thanks for joining me today. I hope it's a great day for you. It's a great day for me. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, being a servant because we think it's very important. And in the studio today, again, I have my associate pastor, uh, T.J. Samuelu, with me. And uh, he was with me a few weeks ago, and I asked him to join me for the next couple days again. And so I'm excited to get him involved in doing more as he is uh, working with me at the church and and taking care of a lot of things for me. And I just I just needed some help today. So TJ, thanks for coming again today. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. How's things going in your life? Going well. Just running around. We got a lot of stuff going, but God has been faithful and showing up in ways that I don't even anticipate. So it's been great to see. Yeah, except for the fact that you tweaked your back the other day. That's true. I did get slowed a little bit by uh, by Father Time. He caught up with me a little bit. And that's too bad at age 37. Is it 37 now? 37, yeah. yeah. 38 this year. Wow, and you have to uh, you know, have those struggles such an early in life, but you get over it, you know, one Indeed. day at a time. Well, folks, learning to have a servant's heart is not necessarily easy, I can tell you that. And I'm sitting next to a servant because TJ has certainly got a servant's heart. We live in a generation that teaches us that we need to be served instead of us serving. Even in the institution of the church, it's hard to really teach people to serve. T.J., you've realized that through the course of time already. To try to get people to do things necessarily in church isn't always easy. No, it's not. You know, sometimes it's hard, but sometimes like, uh, you know, Pastor Gary works with us. He said, you know, there's more willing givers than there are well-articulated causes. So part of that is really communicating like we try to do and teach them how to get in and involved. That's right. Preachers can preach. We can look at the Bible and read it, what it says. But somehow, some way, it doesn't sink in, and we go on our merry way of life, wanting to have fun, do what we want to do. We need uh, to have a mental shift to be a servant. The mental shift will only occur when we start honoring God uh, first in who we are. If you want to see servants, I would ask you to, to just look at people in your in your world that are serving. Like uh, TG and I see every week, we see Pastor Gary and the Joy Group and how that Joy Group is just over 50 group. That group, they, they, they're there on Tuesday mornings, always setting things up, always taking things down, setting, getting coffee ready, doing all sorts of things. And they, they serve like crazy. And that group has grown rapidly. They had, I think, 60 last week in that Tuesday Bible study, uh, TJ, that was pretty amazing. But you, you're, you experienced too, because your office is right out there. You, you can get out there and you can see these people. They just serve like crazy. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's it's a lifestyle. It's not just like a, a whimsical thing that they do. In fact, when we go to visit a lot of people at the hospital, oftentimes we're met there or see one of them leaving as we're arriving as well. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, that's just something that's good for all of us to do. But no one said serving would be easy in life, and sometimes we get trampled on, we get treated poorly. You know, this past week I read a story of an 18-wheeler truck driver who pulled into a roadside cafe to eat. He ordered some food for a hamburger, and I mean a cheeseburger, and, and fries and a coffee. And these three motorcycle roughies, and they were kind of rough guys, they walked over to him, and they walked inside there, got off their motorcycles, walked inside there, and came over, and they walked by, and one of them grabbed his cheeseburger and just took it with him. And the other one uh, took his coffee, and then the last one with his grimy hands reached down and grabbed a bunch of fries and just took off. Well, instead of getting mad, this man calmly let it happen. Then he walked up to the cashier and paid the bill, and he walked out. The waitress watched him walk to the truck. 
And so one of the rough motorcycle guys came up to her and said, oh, he's not much of a man. He can't handle himself. And she responded, he's not much of a dry, driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a pretty good example. I guess I tell the story to tell you that what you do in life comes back around, you know, whether it's being a servant or whatever it might be. You know, we we kind of pay the price of that, and, and I remember that growing up more than anything else. And if you learn to be a servant, you'll be blessed. But it means asking God to show you what you can do for someone. I don't know why it's so hard, T.J., for people to want to serve. I, I th- do you think it's just because we get so tied up in our own lives? Well, we live in a very self-centered world right now. Our culture tells us, you know, to get self-help, self, you know, books, self-improvement. There's all these different things that focus on me instead of we, like the Bible teaches. And so I think that that's just countercultural right now. Some of the older people um, get it more because it was more ingrained in them and they understand that. But I think that there's a younger generation that um, that yearning is in them because I think God innately wired us to not only worship him but to serve. And so I think that if we can redirect that or give them roads or avenues, I think that we can maybe do it. But it's definitely going against the grain at this moment. Well, I know one thing. You are certainly a servant, and your father is is a servant. I mean, you guys just do everything for about everybody. And I, is that kind of – and for you that don't know, TJ is, is half Samoan and uh, – and, and his dad is from Samoa, and and they in fact TJ was just back there this last year. And but uh, is is the Samoan people is that in general how they are? Yeah, uh, hospitality um, and respect are huge. You know, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. In fact, it was humbling even going there now in a different context as a pastor. The way that they served me and put me on a pedestal. And it just was crazy because I thought, man, you know, like here stateside, we're all about serving and doing things. So it was really tough for me to even receive that type of affection. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it all over in your life and in your father's life, you know, it's, and and you have brought a number of Samoans to the church because your connection and they're all the same way. Everyone I've met, I just like, I'm so impressed with that. But God is looking for people who are all in. Too many times we want to be a, a part way in. We just want to have our feet touching the water. I know talking to a number of children's directors over the years, one of the tough things in life is trying to have people work in children's ministry. Right now we have a great one in Pastor Dewey. We had a great one in Pastor Kurt years ago, a few years ago, and we had some, we've had great children's directors over the course of time. But every one of them had the same issue, and that was understanding and trying to get people to be committed to uh, committed to that kind of thing. But uh, Pastor Dewey, he's understanding that now, that commitment's tough, unless it's something we plain and simple just love to do. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard. It's just hard to find people. But that doesn't make you a sinner if you're not serving, as you ought. In fact, we see in the Chronicles, the Word of God in, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 2, King Amaziah, he said, he did what was right in the, the Bible says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Some of you are managers of your own company, and, and I know that you probably don't want to hire somebody that is uh, only going to give you part-time work. And I'm telling you one thing, that uh, we need people that would be all in. And, and I know that, I know as a pastor, I want workers that are all in, and I've got a great staff that are like, like that. But can you imagine trying to hire somebody that said, hey, well, I'll give you a few hours a day, you know, what do you think, you know, uh, is that okay just for a few hours a day? You know, we want somebody that says, hey, man, I want to do what I can do for you. Right. Uh, there's a 
commercial. I don't know if you've seen it recently that's on like TV that has that same kind of thing. And the doctor comes in the room and the lady's like, have you heard of him? And she's like, oh, he's all right. And he goes, he comes in and says something to the fact, I just got off probation. And he's just <laughs> like, I- I'm okay at what I do. We'll see. And it's like, you know, we don't want people like that working on us, on our physical body. And why would we want to be that way spiritually as well? So I agree. You know, and we, we hear that song and that verse, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. Right. If you want to be great. If you want to be mediocre, and like, like this scripture said in Amaziah, about Amaziah, said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. Can you imagine how much more effective he would have been or how much more effective we would be if we'd do things wholeheartedly? Churches that are that are exploding at the seams are full of people that are working wholeheartedly for the things of God. And I hope, folks, you are too. We must get over the I've done enough mentality. Over the years, we hear that many times. I've done my part, and now it's time for somebody else. You probably heard that too, TJ, in, in your ministry. And, of course, you lived, you worked in the corporate world for a while. You worked for Nike for almost 10 years. And yeah. I imagine you saw people that sold out, and you probably saw people that just got by. Yeah, you know, and and then there's that mentality you were just talking about. There's an entitlement and stuff like that where, you know, people spent their whole entire life getting to where they were. And, you know, a lot of kids and stuff that I grew up with, um, you know, their parents took their whole career in life to amass what they had. And they want that instantly right when they graduate and they want to have a house, they want to have a car, they want to have all these things. But uh, there's more to it, right? So... There's always more to it. We think we've earned our way to heaven when, in fact, heaven may be quite a surprise. In fact, I read a poem the other day called Heaven's Occupants, Heavenly Occupants, and I, I couldn't find an author to the poem, but it's kind of a cute poem. I mean, in a sense, it says this. It says, I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, by the lights or the decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. Hey, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, Jesus said. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd see you, you know. And, <laughs> but I, I think that we might, that might be the surprise when we get to heaven. Things that we always think, oh, somebody else they won't be here, and this and that. But I tell you one thing: we want to do all we can to see the kingdom of God flourish, you know. And I, and, and some of it it means changing our mentality. We have to make life about Jesus, not about us. Jesus really lays that out in, in fact, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five. Uh, and through seven, chapters five through seven. I hope you'll take a look at those this week. But for this sermon's sake, Matthew 5, 41, 42 says, if anyone forces me to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Can you imagine how bewildered look on people's face if you were asked to go one mile and you say, hey, I'm just gonna go another. Or, or if you're talking to the work world, could you just give me two hours of work today? And they say, hey, man, I wanna work all day. You know, that would, most people would say, hey, great, I get off, I'm out of here, you know. But uh, anyway, that's kind, of, that's kind of the way it is. He wants us to, to give our all and go that second mile. And I tell you what, we, TJ, you and I know a lot of people that do that, and in our church, a lot of people that do that, and I'm sure in the churches out there. Well, T, we're out of time already. 
Wow. I know. quick. Boom. So, folks, we're going to continue this tomorrow. I hope you'll tune in. May God richly bless you. LifePoint is a ministry of the Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast or would like more information about the church, please call us at 208-362-1700 or write to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. You may also visit us at our website, www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.